everyone, welcome to the 8th episode of the 3rd season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I am your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Footy is saved this week, Banjo. What a, what a cracker! Yeah, no, two weeks of slightly above average, maybe even mediocre football, and apparently we're not in crisis anymore. We had the rules no, of the no, game no, committee no, meet, so they've solved everything by not doing anything, apparently. Don't be negative. It's been good footy. I really enjoyed this week of footy. There were some interesting results. There were a couple of cracking games. You watched the Melbourne game, though, right? Yeah, I loved it. It was a cracker. Well, we played well. We genuinely played well. First half, we the, well. the previous couple of weeks, we played quite poorly and just got away with the win. This, no, we were good this week. Okay, whatever you say, Scotty. Whatever you say. And I'm looking forward to ripping into the MRO later. That'll be good fun. I still haven't gone around to saying MRO. He's still the MRP, even though he's a panel <laughs> uh, one. I, I'm, I'm very angry about it, so I'm, I'm making sure that practicing. I'm specifically attacking them. So I'm looking forward to that. There's well, plenty of talk, we'll talk about there. this week. We do have to apologise for some technical difficulties uh, last week. We weren't. We were too lazy to check the quality of the audio, and uh, apparently there was a little bit of distortion. And when we spent two minutes, we back looking back we couldn't quite find any of it so we don't know what they're talking about but we apologize nonetheless i can't say i'm that confident that we fixed those problems but we're hoping no i don't think we've we're done anything <laughs> different so yeah let's move on let's, let's get a let's football getting on to gold jacket green jacket the uh, title of this segment derives from the line in happy gilmore gold jacket green jacket who gives a shit i'm and just going give... to interrupt you for two no, seconds you can't. we give three two one votes for the most meaningless games of the round what Jack Siebel's just been cleared by the tribunal. He's playing next week against oh, Shut up, more problems with the MRO. <laughs> they don't hate North enough. That's that's their biggest problem. But one vote for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. We're getting uh, the Bulldogs defeated Brisbane by 14 points. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> it, look, it does check out. It, it was quite, quite, a, it's quite a close game. and uh, We have received a little bit of criticism not talking enough about Brisbane. I, I don't know if that's entirely fair. I, I think we've talked about them a fair bit. I will gush about them if they win. I will be very positive well, if they win again. How how much better are they than Carlton though? They're they're, they're bottom of the they're ladder. They're significant. They should the, not be bottom of the ladder. Out of the bottom four, I think they're the best of that lot. I think they're better than Essendon. I think they're better than St Kilda. And I think they're better than Carlton. Hmm. They've just had a tougher run and been more unlucky. Yeah, but, they've had a lot of games which they they weren't too far off winning. And uh, Fagan's doing a great job. He's an interesting old coach, Fagan. He's been around the system for years and years and years. And Surprise, surprise, he actually knows something about the game by now. So Yeah, no, they're a really well-put-together side in some respects. They've got kids in areas that really hurt them. And that's where a lot of these losses have come from. But there's a lot of good bones through there. They've got a midfield that's probably in its prime. It'll be interesting to see if they can build up the bottom of their list to carry those blokes into contention while they're not quite past it. But that's the only real concern I've got with their direction. Yeah, they're, they're looking good. Otherwise, they've got a little bit of ability there, a bit of potential, and and it's good to say. Yeah, and not not too much to say about the job. He's just just got the job done when they should have got the job done. Yeah, but they're pretty not ordinary. that comfortably. The 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 Bont is playing some bloody good footy now. I think he had another like twenty five and four goals or something. Yeah, it's crazy. He plays a lot better when they move him higher up the ground, including kicking more goals. Apparently, yeah, he's 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 a better midfielder. I don't have an issue with him floating forward occasionally, but he's a better midfielder. It's the same. We talk about this all the time when we talk about Dusty. You can't. And Paddy Danger do you can't play them all the time as a forward because they don't have the smarts that they haven't developed over those years. They're better as a pinch hitter to mix things up, and and more importantly, the defense starts to adjust to the fact that yeah, they're forward, very and then they're, they're not forwards. Once they're, focus, they're is dangerous problem. because they're just being chopping in there. But anyway, let's move on. Not much to talk about that game. Two votes. Freo defeated St Kilda by thirty points. Uh, look, typical result. 
Really boring margin. It was a pretty typical gold jacket, green jacket game. It's nearly a bit of a comeback. That would have been exciting. Yeah, it, it was, just wasn't, though. <laughs> it was a weird sort of game. Like, Frio were just utterly killing them, and you just thought, oh, St. Kilda are so, so bad. And then you kind of, just all of a sudden, because it was kind of low scoring, all yeah. of a sudden St. Kilda just kicked a few. Like, it didn't feel like there was a massive turnaround, but it just kicked a few, and all of a sudden the game was on again, and then, bang, Frio just kicked them out again. Yeah, so. and then when they had a kick that was really important for goal, and it would have made it a real game, they missed, which yeah. is quite St. Kilda. I suppose something slightly to get out of this game. It's not actually out of the game specifically, but there's been a bit of media around Frio because of all the Ross Lyon stuff and mm. all of that. So I gave it an extra couple of points because people were talking about, oh, good on them for getting a win, and Ross Lyon had a couple of interesting things to say before and after the game. And um, yeah, that gave it some points. It'll be interesting to see what the fallout of that is or if it just gets swept under I, look, the rest of the way. I, I, I don't have the right to say this because I don't know, but... Everything I'm here, it, it sounds like they are making Ross a bit of a scape. Like they, 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 they want the media won Ross's head. He's a, he's a good news story, and it's just every time something comes out, I'm like, oh gee, this sounds really bad. And then when I actually hear details about it, I'm like, oh, oh, I mean, you know, it was a bit silly of him, but like, it, it, I feel like they're just trying to keep bringing all these news stories in, and it all seems to come back to Ross line because he's an interesting figure. He's a charismatic he figure. He's a controversial figure. sort of figure. So it's it's. Interesting to hype stuff I actually onto found it. it kind of the opposite. I've found that it's maybe not the media, but especially Frio have just shut it down and protected him the entire time. Oh, they've, no, Frio have. They've, but... they've minimizing. I've found the story being seemingly minimized a lot more than what you're saying. Uh, no, keep brought it, up. I think it's been the Herald Sun particularly, but it's just it's the headlines that are coming out which just make it sound yeah. like Ross Lyon is a horrible, horrible person. And then when you actually read a bit more about it, you're like, oh, I don't know. No, I'm. I, look, I, you know I'm a bit biased towards Ross, but you are very I don't know, it, feels, it, feel, it feels a bit silly to me. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, three votes we're giving... No, oh, I'm going to say I'm happy about it. Melbourne defeated Gold Coast by 69 points, so those teams we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah, and to you I say, nice. <laughs> yeah, this was a good... This was a genuinely... This was, this was our best performance of the year. We were... Mm. Don't, we were... We played well for four quarters. We killed them for three... And then the floodgates just opened up at the end. And what was good for you, I think it was um, sort of a high-intensity match practice for you because you had everything going away. And for the first mm. little bit, you couldn't quite make it count. But you had so many opportunities to practice what you were doing going forward that eventually it was just like, oh, we got this. <laughs> yeah, but we, we weren't too far off on most of it. Like, the whole game I was just watching, like, eventually the floodgates are going to yeah. We're going to get on top. Um, and we started to get a bit excited again about that dynamic aspect of the team, you know, which people were kind of criticising us about. I was saying, why is Hogan working up the ground and stuff? And I, I know it, Tom McDonald's a big reason It really needs that. to be spoken about how important Tom McDonald has been to making your structure make sense. The, his ability to... Because he's swinging high when Tom Hawkins... Tom Hawkins, Jesse Hogan isn't. And a weird one to mix up. Uh, when Hogan isn't, and he's pushing deep when Hogan goes to Rome, you're really swapping them around very effectively, and it's working for you. It, yeah, it is. But all of a sudden, it's like Bailey Fritch has been playing forward most this weekend. He played a lot of time on the wing, and he's a really, Yeah, really the last good three kick. weeks, apparently, he's switched higher. Yeah, Salem moved to half-back and <clears> looked... More composed there, and um, Jones was on ball this week, which he'd been playing a lot on the wing and played pretty well. And mm. just it's crazy how versatile we are, and it, like it should be a strength. It should be a strength. Do you think it's crazy how versatile you are, or do you think for in a lot of those cases you just weren't putting players in the right positions to succeed early in the year? But I, I feel like 
Jones, Salem will spend time in the middle. Jones mm. will spend time on the wing. He didn't play solely on ball. Um, no, Fritch will spend time forward. You've, it's, you've it's, complained the entire time that Jones should be played more on ball. It's, look, it's about getting the balance right. While, yeah, and while but, Fritch was recruited as a forward, he was an elite forward in the VFL last year. Yeah. If he's playing so much better as a wingman, is that not just? Well, a, he's a not playing position? so. He, he was pretty good forward as well. But the, I think the thing he that would makes going out of ga- in and out of games though, and I think his output's been a lot more consistent since he's moved higher up the field. But I think one of the strengths of it is that they're not getting bogged down into a role and people aren't adjusting to them, and the fact that they're chopping and changing into different areas allows them to be a bit more free, and that's that's why it's working for them so well. And it took a bit of time. And we probably are still trying to find the balance, and I don't think we're by any means a great side who are dominating now. But we're starting to get that balance right of where everyone should be, sort of percentage wise, and it's it's definitely a big strength of the yeah. team. Yeah, that's probably. There's, there's, there's no, I don't think to... there's like we have about three defenders who you like you know what position they play. They play there all the time. Our midfield and our forward line, all of them mm. switch up at some point. Yeah, yeah, and it is a strength that the Tigers had it. A lot of great teams recently. The Dogs had it when they won the flag. A lot of good recent sides have had that kind of interchangeability in it. Hawthorne, the same. It's probably a very important string to add to your bow. And if it's doing well when you're playing people in the position they weren't originally playing the season, it's probably a good thing more than a bad thing. Well, any uptick in form is a good thing, isn't it? It's it's interesting to watch. It's good to watch. I okay. enjoy it. That's enough about Melbourne. It's time to talk about everybody's favourite segment. I'm bringing it back. What? Aaron Hall. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> Why now, are you bringing it back? He's now in my fantasy side, and as everybody knows, people like listening to fantasy talk on an AFL podcast. But no, it was notable that he moved to halfback, and I just want to rub it into our only real listener, Poochie, that... I'm going, he's going to get defender status and it's going to be really good. He's not going to get defender status. He's going to get defender status next week. Can you just confirm to me that this isn't actually bringing back the segment and you're just bringing it up once? I got 100 in whatever it was, so uptick in form. It was the worst segment ever. It was a terrible segment idea. It didn't work. It was great. It was an excellent segment idea. It was also when I thought he was going to come to North. <laughs> Bloody Aaron Hall, <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to the uh, more interesting games of football. They're very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You are excited. No, I am. I like footy this it's week. It's almost like good. you watched it this week. Sydney <laughs> <laughs> oh, defeated my. Hawthorne by eight points. All your takeaways from this game. Now, that is a good start to the round of footy. That was a cracking game. It was... And most importantly, Hawthorne lost. That is important. But it, it was it was a tough, tense game. It was... At no stage of the game feel like you had any idea which way it was going to go. Just for, for four quarters, it was you had, you had absolutely mm. no idea. And it, was, it was fascinating to watch. And... All right, the thing in the end, Sydney were just a lot more clinical. They they were they went through the corridor a lot more. They scored a lot from clearances, particularly center clearances. Hawthorne chipping around the flanks a little bit, taking a bit more time to go forward. Hawthorne probably had the game on their turns for most of the night, and then Sydney get some easy goals and keep themselves in it. Yeah, if you play so direct, which isn't really Sydney's game style, it was definitely normally, more direct than I noticed. Uh, you're able to keep yourself in games when not everything's going your way. Adelaide have talked about a lot of being a big proponents of this. They mm-hmm. move the ball so well and so directly that even if they're not winning the midfield, they can still win a game pretty comfortably. Probably Richmond these days as well. With yeah, the very true. And if Sydney, for Sydney to win like that is really important because we've spoken a lot about how things weren't going their way every game like it normally would. Their stars weren't performing as well. They were missing a lot of players, important players. And 
it's been said plenty of times so far this week, but Ronk was really good and really good find for them. If they get another forward that's actually dynamic and can contribute, he's not going to kick seven goals every week. But if he kicks two a week, two a game, that's a really good find for them because they don't have many fill-in forwards that can contribute. I feel like Ronk's one of those guys. I was thinking early on when he had four in the first quarter, I thought the chances are he's not going to get a touch for the rest of the game. And then even at the end of the game, I'm like, this is the sort of guy who, like, it would be like in a fantasy thing. Mm. Everyone would, like, jump on him and be like, let's get Ronk, get him into the team now. He's amazing. And then he'll be terrible for yeah. the rest of the season and then get dropped. But a modern day Wanamiri. <laughs> he showed a bit, though. He was very, he, firstly, he has pace, but he was very evasive, Hard too. Well. Hard for sure. But there were a couple of times where he just weaved through traffic in a way which not a lot of players He had that out. one guy, I think it was his fourth goal or something, where he broke through or he didn't break tackles he just sold people up the river he's with these like through them yeah and yeah. just slotted it and the seas parted for him and that's a sign of real class mm. and if you can learn to find the ball five more times a game all of a sudden you've got a really good forward mm-hmm. so 16 touches and a goal and a half a game is pretty much excellent from a small forward and I think these I think he's, there's a potential there for him to do that because he's really young and it's yep. a massive find for them because Buddy is not looking like being back anytime soon. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, and he did, he did feed a bit off their clinical ball use as well because he had a bit of space to work with. And mm. I, I mean, I, it was the most I've seen Sydney score clearly from clearances. Yeah. Especially in the first quarter. There were centre clearances and they just kick it in, they get it out of the back and Ronk and kick a goal. And it was... It was, yeah, it was, it was the most sort of clean and clinical I've seen from Sydney for, for a while. And they really needed to add that to their game because... Yeah, the tough stuff just wasn't working the same way for them. And like even Hawthorne had the game in control for so long, as you said. Yeah. For Hawthorne, the wheels have... No, the luster has come off them a little bit. Oh, they were pretty close to winning the game. They probably yeah. should have won the game, but, really. You know, I don't think Sydney are top four side this year. At this ah, point. you said last week they're no good. I didn't say that. I said they're <laughs> not very good, which is a difference. Are, are you regretting that yet? Nah, they only beat Hawthorne. Yeah. We beat both these sides, so I don't really care. They can't be that good. <laughs> Hawthorne utterly flogged us. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird trio of results right there. Um, yeah, I think for Hawthorne, it sort of affirms how they're a bit above mediocre for me. They're an above average side, but not not close to Probably me. fair. Quite often I've watched Hawthorne Sydney games and thought, Clarkson can make Longmire look pretty silly, but mm. this time around it was probably the opposite, and they probably did get a bit out coached. But and then Long, uh, Clarkson made himself look sillier later in the week. He certainly did. He certainly did. But we'll get to that. Are we talking about that later? West Coast defeated GWS by twenty-five points. I found this a shock result. I found this a very shock result, and it's becoming very difficult to not say West Coast are the real deal. I'm, I'm not quite there, but it's becoming very, very difficult. I think it's nigh on impossible to say they won't make the top four with. Their home oh. field. They're 7-1. They're two games clear of third. Top four. How many wins do you have to get for top four? Fifteen? Fifteen. So they've just got to double it in two-thirds of the season. That's still a lot of wins to get. It's not a certainty top four. Top eight is. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they're quite likely then, if you're not going to give me certain. And they, they, always, just, they always have wins because they always win games yeah. at home against mediocre teams. Just always. They, yeah, they, they just rack them up. Um, but for this game, it just affirms how I'm feeling about GWS at the moment. This, the wheels have fallen off on their offense. Their ball movements just... What is it? What's their plan? And I said last week that 
a real reason for it would be how well Geelong set up. West Coast are exactly the same. So two weeks in a row, they've come up against some of the better defensive sides. Yeah, and now they've got um, the uh, second best in the comp next week, so it's not getting any easier. <laughs> right, no, they'll, they'll flog you. Okay, buddy. Okay, we'll Didn't get to that. You, that's the only thing <laughs> we'll that upsets me. Um, yeah, really worrying sides for GWS. None of their... None of the guys they've really sheltered for a long period of time are stepping up to... Like, we thought we they had this just factory of supreme talent, and they've lost enough of it now that the kids they bring in, the guys they bring in, you're like, okay, you're not sure about them in the same way we were two years ago when someone would be out and they'd bring in a top ten pick. And why would you drop Patton? I mean... I know he's been out of form, but he is too good and too important for that side. Just leave him in there, allow him to get his form in the AFL. There are certain players who you just you just can't. You can't afford it. And so they didn't bring in a Ruckman anyway. They don't. Their ball movement hasn't been quick enough and precise enough through the ground to make a small forward line work. Their pressure... They haven't won enough of the midfield battle to trap it inside their forward line as a tactic, their forward pressure is still not great. It's better, but it's not great. And the, the if they don't have long bailout options, they just they they get stuck so the, easily. The, the first couple of weeks, that was the main thing that excited me about GWS, was their forward line mm. was starting to move together. And you think Patton and Cameron, they're different, but they're both so good, and you can make a seriously good forward line there. I, he'll be back in this week, and I reckon it, I reckon it was just a silly... It was a silly decision just to, you know, try to make a point. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want him back or not. Would, am I more scared of us being too tall against GWS? Because our backline's very Shut tall. up, it's not all about you. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, for West Coast, winning without Nat Nui, McGovern and Shuey is... And away from home. They're basically away. like They're basically saying, shut up to every criticism that's been <laughs> filed against West Coast for like three years. So uh, that's, that's a serious fantastic for them. They have traditionally travelled to cities that aren't Melbourne a lot better than they've travelled to Melbourne. That's true. That is true. So they're yet to really conquer that hoodoo for me, but they're doing everything right at the moment. They certainly are. Like losing to Sydney first week isn't shameful, like yeah. by any means. Yeah. And yeah, it's they are ticking every box. The big one though, it's already got a coach fired. Carlton defeated Essen by 13 points. Your favourite, Mark Neal. How funny is that? Gone. What do you, what do you reckon? Essen turning around now? Without Neely, they'll probably be amazing. I mean, no wonder they've had no idea what they're doing going forward. He's the worst coach I've ever seen. He didn't just clearly lose the players. He was also... He, he, we had no style to the way we played. It was literally just try to win the contested ball and then just chuck it on the boot. And the players had games where they tried really hard. And there was just no result, mm. and eventually they just gave up on life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think just getting rid of him is going to fix hey, that. Hey, was, he was it. their tactical mastermind. Eh? He was in there for the ta- for tactics. And their true. tactics have not been very good. <laughs> but what are they replacing him with? They're not replacing his role. They're just restructuring. They're not doing anything. But I think, aren't they saying Mark Harvey's going to become a bit more in the... The tactical side of the game, he's going to kind of yeah, become a bit more involved. A in very that. proven, excellent coach. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> unlike Mister Neil. 
I, you completely missed my sarcasm there. Oh, I know. That's what. That's no. I was backing up your sarcasm. Is what I oh, was. Oh, that's that. That might never need to be edited. That's pretty poor for me. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carlton getting off the goose egg though. It's still the worst start in club history, but no longer do they add to it every week. I was so bloody close to tipping Carlton all year. I was have a Carlton supporting mate all year. I've been saying to him. The game which Carlton will win, it'll be at the G against like Essendon or someone on a wet day, and you'll just kind of you just put in a bit more effort, and you'll get yourself over the line. And when it was pissing down with the rain on Friday, I'm like, <laughs> I'll leave it to lunch. If it's raining, I'll tip them. It wasn't quite raining, but I still think it was. It was kind of a wet, hard ground, and it was a real slog of it's a game. It's the only type of game that won in four years. Exactly. <laughs> Every win over the last few years has just been, they put in a bit more effort on a wet day. Actually, they did beat Geelong and Eddie had once, so give them credit for that. <laughs> this also does sum up how soft I see Essendon, though. The fact that I, like, I think Essendon should be a far, far better team than Carlton. Yeah. But once it becomes a contested slog, wet day... I think I think in those conditions, Carlton's midfield's better. Yeah, their toughest midfielder is Devin Smith, who was kind of viewed as soft in yeah, GWS. Yeah. And to be fair, he's been excellent with tackle pressure. Like, he, he's not actually been bad. It's not no, a he's been, he's been great. Smith. He's been great. This but year. there is a country mile between him and the next yeah. toughest player. The next toughest player is probably Brendan Goddard because he yells at people. <laughs> like, who else, like, do you back to put their head over the ball? Yeah, no, it's, it's not Dyson Apple, which is an indictment on his leadership. It's definitely not Merritt because as soon as anybody goes near, goes near him, he runs away from the ball. Like, there <laughs> it's is not Zaharakis, at least not consistently so. absence of any toughness through that midfield, mm. and it's, it's terrible. <laughs> this was a team that played finals last year. And they've just dropped off the face. You'd be pretty ashamed, I think, to be an Essence Porter right now. Just because they're not putting in the effort. It's, it's, it's soft. Yeah, and people keep talking about uh, it's the shadow of Asada still. They're, they're not recovered as a club, but come off it. That's ridiculous. Well, because last year they had so much momentum behind them. Yeah, like, it was they the came comeback back, story. And everyone was getting around them saying it felt like they'd completely turned it around. And they were doing some really good stuff off the field, like bringing people in and... Mm. You know, great recruiting and stuff, and they had all this momentum. And I don't know, like they're in terms of the way they're playing, they're they're not winning the clearances because they have a soft midfield, as we've said, and then they're not transitioning because they they're just they're moving it too slowly. They're just chipping it back and forth. They're so patient that other teams yeah. set up ahead of the ball, and then they just look. Their ridiculous. first instinct is to switch, even when there's nothing on, and teams are just leaving the first option so they can. But as soon as they do that, you've delayed. Everything and their ball movement just gets swallowed up by team defenses. And even when they do, then trigger and go down the line or go long, everybody's so covered up that there's no chance of them winning that contest. Where if they hadn't gone initially, they might have had a they wouldn't have had a great chance, but they would have had a chance. They're playing just passive football, and it's it's just. Boring. Everyone would have watched Anzac Day, and that was the most obvious thing that you would mm. ever see. Of Collingwood were just setting up so well ahead of the ball, and, and Essendon would just be so patient, just chip it back mm. and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and eventually they'd turn it over. And everyone raved about Collingwood's defence after that game. But other teams are doing it Everyone is doing this to yeah. Essendon. And to be honest, if you look at Essendon, you just go, how the hell did they beat Port? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Port are going to rue that loss because Essendon are just 
atrocious. I, at this and, point. and apart from that, and a quarter against Adelaide in round one, mm. there hasn't been there hasn't even been moments where I've been like, oh yeah, that's a talented team. I haven't even seen that. It's yeah, they have like one player day a game where Saar to run twenty meters out of defense, and there'll finally be an option because he mm. runs out of defense reasonably or often. Yeah, yeah, fair. Both of them do these runs out of defense. But then they look up and there's still no one to yeah. kick to. Yeah. And if there is someone to kick to, it's Joe Danaher, too far away from goal and no one behind him. They're not playing. They're not getting anybody deep enough. Their inside 50 entries are so shallow. I just There's so much going wrong with this. For event. a team who started with a, a tall forward line, and they've been tinkering with that a little bit, yeah, now they're down I think to they just would Tom have some Stewart. deep players. Yeah. yeah, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, that's enough of that type of football. Let's move on to a segment. We've got the Cane Corns Call of the Week. This one's your choice. You've picked this. And I just want to make that clear because if I said it and endorse it as much as you did, people would just think I was making fun of you. So let's just well, get to I, it. I, I was listening to SEN. I know this one hasn't really been picked up. I was listening to SEN and I hear Andy Marr say to a, to a caller who call in, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Melbourne won the Premiership this year. We would. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Who have we beaten? We've beaten Brisbane, St Kilda, Essendon. You guys is probably easily our best win. By who, a who am mile. I missing? I'm missing someone else terrible. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We, we, no, no, that, next that's week. next week. Oh, Gold Coast. It's like Gold Coast. But that is literally, if you could line up the games who you wanted to play as certainty yeah. wins, it would be them. And then we got utterly flogged by... Hawthorne and Richmond. The only performance which is outside of that dichotomy of mm. playing well against crap teams and being terrible against good teams was round one against Geelong, which was a pretty good game of footy. Yeah. But, but even God, you, we're far from it at the moment. So often you, when you've played a pretty poor team, you've come away not thinking you actually played that well. This is probably the first game. This, yeah, like, this is the first one I'm, I'm actually happy with the happy. way exactly. we played. To look at Melbourne's form line and look at who they've beaten, how they've beaten them, and to come away thinking they're a flag chance is just... It's a stubbornness going on people's preseason predictions, I think. Everyone was talking you guys up to be the guy, the team that leapt. The dogs, the Richmond of this year. And that hasn't quite happened. That's not that's not that bad from Melbourne. You've taken a more traditional path. Most teams take a little while to get there. If you play finals this year, I think that's a win, given I, your history. I think they either want us to do... Very, very well or very, very terribly. Because either way, you get a really interesting story out of that. And when we're doing all right, which we're doing at the moment, we're doing okay, yeah. they'll try to make it sound amazing. And then if we and lose then, this week to Carlton, they'll say nothing has changed. Melbourne are terrible. That, that'll happen. Yeah, that'll happen. and what, what's great about that is the only reason they'll have that expectation and talk about how you failed to meet it is because they made those expectations after you beat St. Gilda by not enough times. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It just sums up the problem with the media. Yeah, it's it's. I find it hilarious. Let's keep going with you. What's your cane corns? My cane corns is, I reckon, this decision to bring in a match review officer, as in one-man match review officer, is the worst decision anyone has made since electing Donald Trump. <laughs> that That is... Uh, mate... I just want to... This is a momentous occasion for this podcast. Some people might not know that I'm, I'm political, uh, and every time, flaw, yes. I, every time I try and talk to Scott about it, he avoids it like the plague. 
Uh, I think we've had one conversation where he gave away one opinion and I yelled at him about it, so he hasn't spoken to me about politics since. And for him to <laughs> willingly bring up Donald Trump mate, and be on the right side of this discussion, I just applaud you, mate, Scott. Trump's just funny. He transcends <laughs> politics. He's just amusing. But anyway, <laughs> just to make my point, what kind of idiot thinks that if you have a problem with consistency, the answer is to have less people making the decision? That goes against everything that and society then, knows. Then to wipe the slate clean of all precedent. Oh, <laughs> well, no, not necessarily that, but like, but like they've just well, they've changed the precedents. They're saying yeah. it's a new year. We're creating a new system, and like I, that's it's, that's not great. But oh well. But I mean, when you have a big decision, you have seven high court judges sitting on it because you need them all to. Temper each other's opinions because people make mistakes. People have yeah. biases, and one person on his own is so much more inconsistent than having a group of people making decisions. It's it is ridiculous that they thought that this was a good solution. And the other thing that's bad about it is it makes people hate him more. Like it mm. creates more incentive to get angry about these decisions because you have a person to direct it. Yeah, we used to know who the panel members were, but no there one was, really cared. Yeah, like. All we knew was Jimmy Bartell would have to step aside every time Geelong did one. So like, and now you hear it all the time that it's oh, Michael Christian's an idiot and stuff, and it's just it just it, it makes the problem even bigger than it ever was. And to be it's fair to that kind of talk, idea. the evidence does point that way. <laughs> yes. Now getting on to the actual decisions because there's been a lot of uh, MRO going on. The actual decisions haven't upset me as much as just the concept of the MRO. But this recent stuff with touching umpires, and I last week I didn't want Tomahawk rubbed out. But if he gets, did we talk about it on the pod? We did. We and did. I, I said he should go, didn't I? Yes, you said he should go. I said he shouldn't, and I still probably believe that as a principle. Mm. But once you have made that decision, <laughs> the the next week they've just completely gone against it. And I can understand the Stephen May one. I, I can understand. I think sort of. I get it, but it still should be weak. Yeah, it still should be because it feels like they're just trying to find reasons to get out of it. Yeah. The, the way I like to explain the, the Stephen May argument, it's like the Simpsons thing. Where it's like if I swing my arms in a circle and walk at you and you don't move out of the way and I hit you, then it's your fault. That's kind of what Stephen May was saying. He was saying, I was just doing a bumping action and the umpire happened to be in the way. Yeah, I didn't mean to headbutt him. He just didn't move. Exactly. Um, and but like, I can understand. I can kind of understand Charlie Kerno. Ed Kerno is ridiculous. Ridiculous! Like he just pushed him. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's worse than Tomahawk. He just pushed him. In the, he looked at him and pushed him in the middle of the chest. How can that have a different decision? I haven't had time to read the judgment, but what I, I, I can't understand. see there can be any logic yeah. behind it. <laughs> It'll be the impact wasn't enough. He didn't move or something. It'll be like, but the same with Tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's absurd. And they're both made by the tribunal. Like, I, to be honest, I sympathise with Christian preferring them to the tribunal. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to make that decision either. But the tribunal can't then make two wildly different... It, oh, it's... It, that, that, that's one of the, This is one of the worst things that they've done. Like, it is just... It is, it's a yeah. joke. It's it, an absolute joke. They made it seem like it was a cut and dry, we're putting our foot yeah, down, you, you can't Yeah, you cannot touch this. umpires full stop. And then <laughs> straight away. Now try to find reasons to get out yeah. of it now. Just um, unbelievable. Where now we I've copped a lot of criticism for not discussing the Nick Nat. Yeah, I haven't spoken to anybody for the last week, so I haven't I've had a lot of people <laughs> say, Hey, so what did you say about Nick Nat? 
Uh, we forgot about it. <laughs> well, let's be fair. Maybe those people should listen to the pod so they wouldn't have to ask you those questions. Although I don't know why I'm yelling at the people that are listening yeah, to the pod. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, where do you sit on the Nick Nab tab? I think he should have been suspended for about a week, but they used a completely wrong logic to get there. Are you saying the whole computing the player's size thing? Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's not... That, that, that wasn't... Can we knock this on the head? I'm very confident that wasn't part of the actual decision. That was some argument which was put forward by AFL Council just as a, a Hail Mary to try to make their point. That, is not, that is not the actual stupid. decision. Why? No, but There's I, people who don't understand how the system works. But why is AFL House going out of their way to make Hail Marys to get people suspended? They should be using the core argument nothing else because a suspension is a bad thing. It's a real punishment. There shouldn't be any vendetta to get them suspended, which a Hail Mary strikes me as. That's that is just stupid. The, that's, that's the one the, argument against it is it's... This is a representative of the AFL saying this, and that's not a good look on the AFL. But it's not as bad as everyone else has been saying. We're like That's effectively what they've said, mm. that you need to compute players' size. I, I, the tribunal didn't say that. But no, I think the fact that they suspended him on the basis of concussion is not really what the, I thought the core problem with that tackle was. I thought the fact that he could have broken his neck was by far the more serious part of that tackle. He held on and he rolled him forward in a way that was very preventable. And I think that was the issue with the tackle. Before I'd seen the tackle, I thought, I'm going to hate this. And then as soon as I looked at it, I thought, well, that actually is quite... Yeah, it's quite bad. Could have broken his neck. It was very very aggressive and it was very, very dangerous. I think he would have known it. He wanted to drive his head into the dirt. Yeah, and even though there was a free kick paid against it, like we still look at sling tackles after there been a free kick against it. Like, there's nothing... I don't understand the logic that says he should get off. It wasn't a footballing action. He held on to him past the completion of the tackle and rolled him over his neck. Yeah. And if you've looked at any form of rugby, you know how dangerous that yeah, can be. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was a very well-executed tackle. No. But anyway, final thing... Luke Parker, how he did not get suspended, I, I think that is we, astonishing. We disagree on this one. I, I don't see how. I looked at that and thought, that is four weeks. There was a man with his head over the ball, presenting the top of his head to him, and he ran past the ball and hit him on top of the head. He didn't run past yes, the he ball. Yes, he did. He, he his hands. He fumbled. He didn't pick it up, and then he thought, I'm going to go through with this bump. There was clearly a final movement to go, I'm going no, to take No, he was pivoting to take off the other way. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was clearly bumping him. It, 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 was, it, was, it was very similar to the Cochin one, and that was a joke as well. Scott, you haven't played footy. You wouldn't understand. I have played footy. It's been a long time. <laughs> he, the ball, 0.2 of a second, probably less before he put his hands down, was where he put his hands down. You cannot say there was any decision in his mind other than to pick up the ball. No, there was. He, saw, he would have seen Jarman Impey. He would have seen him with his head the, over ball, the ball, and he, he decided, "I'm going." He after clearly had a chance to get that ball, and so you're saying he shouldn't have, or he should have done it in a way that endangers himself. He should have done what players do all of the time: they sort of turn their body a little bit. If they can get the ball, they do it and they spin out, or his entire, or you wait for him to pick up the ball and you play a his tackle. His entire life, he's been told to go for the ball as a primary objective, and that's what they've been trying to get rid of for the last five years. That that was, a couple of years ago, that was the prime example of something you're going to get four to six weeks for, and because it was yeah, protecting the head. And no, it then, wasn't. Yes, it was a few years ago. You bump someone with their head over the ball. 
Daddy, you are done. But it you wasn't, are done. It wasn't a bump in the traditional sense of the word. It wasn't a, I've tucked my elbow in and I've gone through It looked like a bump to me. He's put his hands down for the ball and then he's protected no, himself. he put his body through. He put his body through into him. But anyway, that's enough MRO discussion. No. Ryan Byrne should have also been suspended. But let's get to my... <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's if you're going to suspend you have to also suspend Yeah, no, Byrne. I probably agree with that. Um, <laughs> my Kane Corns, North Melbourne will definitely play finals. We have 10 games in the next 14... Can you just talk about something else for once? No. Uh, we have 10 games of our next 14 against sides not currently in the top eight. How good you're is You're not going... Do you, do, you, do you really think you're going to play finals? Yeah, I do. I'm going to put money on it. What are your odds? Oh, probably long. Nobody rates us. <laughs> you're not going to play finals. We are going to play finals. It'll, I don't know who's going to drop out. Off. Gonna... You're, you're in a good form. You're in good form at the moment. It'll drop off. No, and you'll these... start losing some really poor games against poor teams. These carry through. These Carlton are better swings. than you, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you believe that one, don't you, Scott? Yeah, absolutely I do. No, we're going to play finals. I believe. I'm going to hold you like to that. I'll laugh at you hard when we get to Round 23 and you're out of contention. There is a real chance North are playing Melbourne in the final. I can't even imagine that. Like, that would be the worst night. That would be the most painful night of my life watching that. Like, oh, that'd be hell. That'd be hell. Uh, Let's get back to the footy. We've got the showdown next, Mm. which uh, you avoided watching because you were watching a pretty shit game of football. And I was on a bus instead of watching. (laughs) Why are you saying this off the top? (laughs) Just because... Yeah, it was probably poor. But anyway, apparently it was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Look, can I explain why I wasn't watching it? Uh, I wanted to watch the last quarter, and I was bloody... I was blocked into a corner, and I had some mates sitting around. We were at a bar watching the Melbourne game, and they, they wouldn't let me out. I wanted to go and watch it. And they're like, no, nah, we're very comfortable here. We're not leaving. It would have been great to watch our last quarter. That's just quarter. shit by them. Well, let's talk you about how... new friends. Can we talk about how great Robbie Gray is? No. We've said that enough. Oh, Get a mate, new take. Mate, he kicked five goals in the third quarter. And yeah, they... Drew Petra kicked six in one quarter against the Bulldogs. Not a big deal. Mate, <laughs> that Paddy Ryder <laughs> hit over the back to Robbie Gray. That is one of the sexiest passages of play you'll see. You can buy the one against St Kilda or one no, I'm talking about one this week, but I the one against St Kilda was amazing as well. You didn't see? Why have you not seen it? It was a tap over the back of the head and a snap. It was one of the one of my goals in the third quarter. No, I just haven't seen it. Aren't you being a grump? Yeah, no. It's a great know. game of footy, mate. From I'm sure it was. The highlights I watched. <laughs> this has been a train wreck. <laughs> Good thing we don't have any listeners in Adelaide. Do we want to just move on? Yeah. Do you have any takeaways? <laughs> Port, just as flaky as ever. Uh, when did you get Ken Hinkley's reaction after the game? I still don't really get it. No, um, apparently Adelaide have been bragging about how they'd won five showdowns since Pike showed up and hadn't lost one. And he was like, 1-0 this year. I don't know. Oh, like, I kind of half heard him explain it and I still didn't really understand where he was going with it. No, and to be honest, I'm all for coaches getting a bit angry and aggro. I'm all for Bolton having to go with one of the Eston players. I think that's funny. It's, he just swore, that's yeah. fine. We're a, we're a big grown-up sport. We can handle it. But no, I didn't get it. I um, I really, I do really like Ken Hinkley, though. I, 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 he, I, he comes across as a really good fella, and he, he, he promotes really good values. You just like, you just like Port. Yeah, I do. You like him as a no, Ken. Every time he speaks, he speaks really well, and says exactly what you want your coach to say. Yeah, for Adelaide, the losses are starting to mount up. That's three now, and uh, two. They probably don't think they should have lost. So they 
So, to be. I feel like I feel like Adelaide are one of those teams who will just peak at the right time. Mm. And I, I don't. They probably they got quite slow do it to come back. They've, they've had they've a lot had, of injuries. They've had early. some injuries, and quite often teams in the grand final start off slow. And I, I can just see them just really clicking in the last few weeks before finals and God, really hitting that. some form. I don't want Richmond to win the flag yeah, again. That's the hope. <laughs> Speaking of Richmond, defeated North by ten points. Thank God for that. Is all oh, we were say. so close. We had the last seven inside fifties, last yeah. five shots on goal, and we probably should have. Well, we should have kicked at least one of them. <laughs> and if they had a paid advantage, the same way they paid advantage the entire game before, we would have kicked one of them. But uh, yes. So, so the real takeaway out of this game, Ben Brown is a massive choker. No, he's the best kick for goal in the competition. And once the pressure was on in the last few minutes. He, he had to rush his run up because he was worried about time. Doesn't matter. Mate, he choked. Yeah, because he, he panicked a little bit in his head. He couldn't just sort of get back and relax himself. He panicked, mate. Yeah, look, I don't... I forgive him. He'll grow. <laughs> it's the first time he's had that shot for goal. He's, he's a grow. choker. Who, when was the last Melbourne player that had a chance to win a game? Yeah, but they would kick it if they did. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> oh, no, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he just misses from there. He's done it like ten times this year. That, that wasn't oh, choking. That was so good. But ben would actually kick it from there most of the time. Oh, it was disappointing. But mate, one of them, there was like a half, halfway chance they could have called advantage and Mason would strolled into an open goal and they didn't call it and they'd called it twice for Richmond. They'd said that they, those ones going, oh... A rude decision, Scotty. A rude decision. But, um, no, I'm actually really happy with the oh, Of course you'd be happy with the <laughs> like, performance. You'd be we were with them you? the entire time. We won the second half, which, like, no team but Adelaide's done. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, we came back from a nearly a five-goal margin to get hit the lead twice. Yeah. <laughs> I did think this team was going to be bottom four, and I'm just so happy with how we go. I know you are. I know you are. It's so exciting. Like... You wouldn't understand because you haven't been above expectations for 20 years. But um, <laughs> oh, that's only a little wrong because probably 2000 to the last time you were. Yes, all right. Oh, I'm just so happy about North. Oh, Jed Anderson has improved so much and that's probably giving away some things later in the pod. But I love that man. I thought he was going to get delisted. Oh, so did good. I, to be honest with you. How good has he actually been? So, he started off pretty slowly. He, the first three games, he was okay. His pressure was really good, but he was playing through the midfield, not touching the ball that much. He wasn't, he got like eight touches against you, and it was like, he took a screamer, which was nice, but it was like, you're not really showing much here. (laughs) I like you in the team. I hope you do well. But then the last five weeks, I think he's averaged 22 touches a game. He's had his career high in possessions three times in the last five weeks. He's just getting better, and... Oh, it's so good to see. They, he's, he's a guy that's been just derailed by injuries for six years. They bloody loved him early on at Hawthorne. I remember they talked him up so much, and then they completely gave up on him. And then, <laughs> well, they didn't. They, they didn't play him, but I think they still rated him quite highly. And thought he was going to, yeah. And then he just asked out. He was like, "I'm not. I don't want to wait." And at North, he still had to wait, which is kind of, kind of funny. Uh, but every time he had a run at it, he just couldn't get any consistency yep, and yep. he's fought so hard to get himself back together like, um, it's just it's, it is a good football story yes, you have had a few players improve that's, that's yes, fair yes we have and Brad Scott is coaching the house down yes he is he's coach of the year according yes, to the is. age how much difference did it make did your you are you're a good tall team your yeah. talls is one of the better ones in the comp how much difference did that make against the small Richmond team so 
So Richmond's defense isn't small, which I think Fair. is lost a lot. And I didn't think our tall forwards played that well. We got six goals out of them, and it, I think we kicked ten or twelve for the match. But they didn't ever, outside of Ben Brown having those two shots, like they didn't ever look like they'd really blow okay. the game open so and they'd give us a real in shot. In the back line, wasn't an issue. Um, in the back line, no, they didn't struggle at all. And like Rance is obviously excellent. Asprey is really solid defensively, yep. and so is Grimes. So you. To be honest, they never would have really worried that much about how they were going to handle our talk yeah, yeah. Um But de- defensively, I was shocked with how well we coped. In the first half, they did have occasions where they just do that. Richmond just they just move the ball forward. It wasn't particularly systematic, but the direction was always the same. It was always forward, and they did catch us out a few times. I think they scored fifty points in the first half, which is on yeah. track for a pretty good game. Yeah. But in the second half, I cannot figure out for the life of me what we did differently. Were, I was, you, were you beating him in the air? That, in the I, second, that's all I can In the off. second half, we started chopping off their first movement forward, which we weren't at all in, in the first half. Yeah. But I cannot figure out what we did to change it. I think that we positioned a guy a bit closer than a normal deep man because they kick these flat, screwy balls to try and... Yeah. yeah, I think we might have done that, but I can't figure out what we did around the stoppages because we stopped them their ability to spread. They had to kick quickly. They did not have the opportunity to handball out of packs, and I, I just don't. I was thinking about the entire game, being like, "What are we doing different?" I just couldn't tell. <laughs> I just wonder, like, which is why I'm not a coach. <laughs> I always wonder whether a good tall defense could eventually get on top of Richmond with all of their smalls. And their smalls are just... They're, they're so good at bringing the ball to ground mm. and no one's been able to do it. But maybe if they're if you're good enough, you start holding those marks, then Richmond might get a little bit lost with how they're trying to attack. Yeah, so the only forward that really damaged us all game was Caddy. Rewalt was good, but he wasn't... Like, it wasn't anywhere near his best game. And a lot of what he did was actually about defensive pressure in the fourth half. Yeah. But um, with... Caddy just monstered a couple of guys because he was the one guy who was playing on a defender that was he was bigger than he was playing for some reason on our third our, our first sort of medium defender instead of our third tall and I think it was because we're playing a loose tall and then whenever uh, Dusty was forward we put Scott Thompson on him yeah. because he's a as close to a good matchup as you're going to get yeah but and so Caddy did tear us to pieces a couple of times but. Other than that, I think we actually handled their yeah. forward line pretty I'm so, well. I don't know. I'm hoping we're slowly figuring out a formula to be Richmond. And I, I think that could be a fair bit to do with it. Just a dominant in the air in the back line. It might yeah. stop their scoring. You do also need to have someone break the world record for contested possessions. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, that, that is handy. That was incredible. <laughs> when I found that out after the game, I was like, I actually thought he burnt the ball a few times. and then played it well a couple contested times. possessions. That's he beat absurd. it by three. Like, That's crazy. He broke through the barrier. Anyway, that's enough North Melbourne talk. No, no. I want one thing no, from no, you. No, 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 no. No, I no, want no. one thing from you. Is Ben Cunnington an A-grader? Nah, B+. Plus. <laughs> uh, anyway, Geelong defeated Collingwood. Oh, we are going quick. We are going long, so let's be quick. Why can't teams kick straight? <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised in the slightest that this was quite a dour defensive game. After what we heard from Buckley last week in his press conference, he was not happy with the poor defence in the previous week. Yeah, true. And Geelong are a very defensive-minded team. Sorry, I misspoke. It was 5-15, which I think is slightly better statistically. <laughs> yeah, not great. But it was a very defensive, quite a boring sort of game. Um, and both teams would have been aiming for that. And yeah, they did a bit better. Um, 
it's really good starting that Geelong got through a game where all of their big players played and it sort of worked. They still got production from Duncan. Didn't get a huge amount from Kelly, but they'd still got production from Menegola. All these guys that so often when they've had their big three play have sort of wilted away a little bit. Mm. Not Menegola went forward a bit. Yeah, and played goals. really well up yep. forward. I think it's partly because they played Ablett a bit more forward and Dangerfield because he's seemingly been a bit hurt has also played forward a little bit. So they've even the spread a little bit more in ways that I think have managed to maximise their assets. And I think that's a really good sign. I still think just put Gaz forward. Just put him in a pocket, rest him every few weeks, and he'll kick 50 goals and he'll make you a much better team. And I, I, I don't think I need him in the midfield. And their biggest problem in the midfield is they're not defensive-minded enough. And Ablett certainly doesn't help that. So he does just not. put him forward. And then they can have Scott Selwood in the midfield and you can have a good fantasy day. Oh, <laughs> I'm sick of that bloke. <laughs> anyway, sick let's move bloke. to the top five. I kind of uh, gave it away earlier, but we're two of the most improved players. And, yeah, being uh, a bit more positive this week yeah, after we're, the week we're, we're on an uptick. Scott watched football, so he loves the game. Yep. <laughs> um, I reminded myself. I, I did give away a player that was on my list, but you know we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, Honourable mentions, because there's quite a few that have improved. Well, got? I've got a couple of them. I, I found this was the hardest top five I've ever done. I, I, I could not figure out what order I was going to go in. There were lots of players to go in. It's, we have recorded good. quite late because you couldn't figure it's it good. out. Footy's good. Um, <laughs> Couple of honourable mentions: Cam Ellis Yolman, a, a little bit of a fantasy thing, but he's been very good. My honourable mention is the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's just been—he's been such a, a journeyman. Yes, yeah. Yolman. He's—he's he's gone around, but he's—it's—it's it's almost not even been that he hasn't been able to break in to have that. Like, yeah, he's—he's he's, he's always been like close, and people always kind of like talk about him occasionally, and he's never quite broken in, and he's he's a really important inside yeah. in for them this year, it's great. Yeah, and he's filled the holes tremendously. And the other one was, look, I just had a lot who I really wanted to slot in, and this guy just like had to be in there, so I turned, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, because I know he's in yours. Yeah, no, he's he stepped up unbelievably. Yeah. Mine's Jimmy Webster, and it's the same. He, he has improved, though. He's He's one of the few St. Gilda players that use the ball well through the, off the back line. They... Fun, they're funneling the ball to him at this point, which is what most teams have a guy they do that with. And he's using the ball really well. He's been really consistent, and he's not a liability uh, defensively, which sometimes these guys that are playing that quarterback role can be. So I think he's been just... He's stepped up massively. Certainly he's has. the only story from St. Gilda that's been positive. My number five, uh, Majak Dor. <laughs> the man myth the legend. I mean, he's gone from a... A pretty awful footballer, really, last year. He's now, he's pretty good. It's incredible. Good. He doesn't no, I'm seem... Ha- I am happy about him. He I does, like him. He doesn't seem lost, which is just wonderful. And he's yeah. so athletic that he, if he seems competent, <laughs> everything else he does he is just like, He has some wow. idea what he's doing on a He occasionally field. does. Helps. Or he's done a couple of really dumb things where, like, he oh, tried course. to take he a bounce will. running out of defence because he was jogging. And, like, That's that why makes we love him, head. He always will. That's why we love him. But he's ironing that out. He's only played five games in defence his entire career, and he's getting okay. He's the third-ranked defender by key defender by champion data. That's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> anyway, my five, my uh, five. I've gone Seedsman. Yeah, it's fair enough. Seedsman was like really exciting early on, and then he just yeah he won the Anzac Day medal, and then they Collingwood just got rid of him. He looked incredible quickly. on Anzac Day. And we thought he was the next big thing. No, and. To be honest, now he's playing pretty much every game like that. He's providing really good run, yep. really long driving long kick, delivery, yeah. and he's getting forward to kick goals and make and make that difference. 
Laird is their best halfback because he just controls the game so well. But I think Seedsman's probably their most most damaging. Is not the right way to put it. But you know what I mean? He's the guy that can really put the foot down yeah, no, from the halfback line. Yeah, he's playing a little higher and playing a little wing as well. But yep. He's been fantastic. My number four, uh, keeping the defenders going, Oscar McDonald. I'm going to be nice to him for once. He look, He's still retarded. <laughs> and when he does things well, he still <laughs> looks retarded. But defensively, he's been very, very good. I think a lot of his stats, apparently he's like third in the one-on-one defensive contest That's or something, incredible. which is, for him, is astonishing. And I, I think he's, right, he's in like the top three for a lot of like important defensive stats. Yeah, it's incredible because I still have memories of him being thrown around by Ben Brown. Yeah, and he, look, he still has those moments, but overall, he's had a very good year. It's almost like he was a young kid and he's still developing. Oh, it's incredible he's played the amount of footy that he has at this point. He's been so far from He was thrown standing. to the wolves so early. My four, I've gone Hearn. Uh, okay. He has been tremendous. He's West Coast have had lifts from really important players in their side, and he's been one of them. His kicking is such a weapon, and he's getting the balls with the volume now to really hurt teams. And I think he's he's being more damaging this year. He's he's picking and choosing when to un, like fully just unleash that long ball because we all know he's probably the longest kick in the competition outside Trent McKenzie, but um. His short kicking is still powerful. Like he still hits it with moves the ball so quickly that he can open the game up with that short kick, and he's using that so well in West Coast games. It's just he's a lot of their drive off half. Back. It's nice to put an older player in there because that that when it's a player who's been consistently all right for a long time, it's cool to have him lift in the yeah, back end of their so career. When we were doing this, I looked at a couple of kids that have gotten better, but it's like that's your second year, that's your third year. You're supposed to get yeah, better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's your uh, my number three? I've gone with uh, Jackson McRae, our boy. Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, he's just he's improved a bit in every area. He's getting more of the footy, but he's also a lot more damaging. He's always been a good kick, but he's been he's been a nice kick. Yeah, where he's now becoming a damaging. He's kick. going for more. I think it's again yeah. confidence in what he can pull off. Yeah, he had this kick against West Coast, uh, Gold Coast that I just looked at it and went, "Wow!" He's mm. streaming down the wing, body gone the wrong way. Sees. Honeychurch streaming off the other, about 40 metres out, off the other flank, mm. cutting in, and just puts it so the only player that can get there is Honeychurch because he puts it over the defenders in between, across his body, and that's just an insane kick to he's him. A, he's always been a little, he's been a, he's been a dinky kick. Like, he's always yeah. had that smart little short kick, but he's starting to really get some drive in it now. So, yeah, it's good just, on him. It's just good to see. My three, Jed Anderson. And this is a love story. This is a... This, this is the reason I didn't put Magic in because I wanted to put in Anderson. We already talked about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to move on, but like, I'll, I'm so happy with this man. He is probably our third most important midfielder. Right, and it's right incredible. Oh. Who's your two? My two, I've gone with Tom Stewart. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I look a lot for the reason I actually didn't rate him last <laughs> year. I saw him in the first final, and I thought he he panicked a lot. He he, he was really just. Shitting himself. <laughs> and I, I thought this is a kid who's not really stepping up to the plate. But, I mean, maybe he was just young yeah. and developing. And this year, he's in big moments, he stood up and he's played some really good, hard footy. Yeah, he's not that young. He was a mature age recruit, but I think it was but young in an AFL career sense. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the reason I left him off, because I think it's part of a natural growth of getting used to football yeah. at the highest level. I think in your second year, you've just sort of got to account for that. So, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. He's been really good. And he's held up that defense 
in a lot of ways been the primary defender without Taylor and still without uh, Henderson. And that's been incredible from Geelong. My two was McRae for reasons mentioned. Fair enough, which means we have the same number one. We both have Darling. He's been really good. A, a little a, a little bit of, although not to the same extent, a little bit of the Hearn thing about him, that he's been in the system for long enough that you feel like he shouldn't improve yeah. that much. And then to step up that much in a year, wow. What's incredible about him is that for the last few years he's been disappointing because we've looked at him and gone, we know, we, we see more from you and we can see yeah. so easily how you could be more. And this is the year he's putting it all together. He's so much more confident uh, moving through the half-forward line. He just demands the ball now. And his strength through the one-on-one contest, it's... I'm not sure that it's, like, finally arrived, but it's just... It's just been absolutely increased in its effectiveness. I do wonder how much of it is getting a better balance with Kennedy. I wonder if in previous years it's just been just kick it to Kennedy, kick it to Kennedy. And and, and darling someone who likes to be dominant. And I wonder if he just lost his confidence. Now, this yeah, year, Kennedy's not years. playing that well. Yeah. And Darling's the, he's getting a bit more ball. And those three games, sorry, where he played as the man. Yeah. The first game Gave back... Belief, yeah. yeah. the first game back, they didn't mesh well together. But since then, they've both been kicking goals. Yep. Darling's getting a lot of the ball as well. It's just been... It, yeah, the West Coast have had really big improvements and he's just the biggest of them. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the mailbag. And we're going to run through this quickly. Quick one for you, because I don't care or know. Who does Melbourne drop for Viney? It's, it's actually a really tough one. Like It's, it's yeah. hard to find something. Good, win, good uh, week for fringe players to win by 69 points. <laughs> I think it's a toss-up between Neil Bourne, Bernie Vince, Dom Tyson. And I'm really hoping not Dom Tyson, because I like him and he's in my fantasy team. And it'd make me right. I, I, Neil, Neil Bourne had been playing awfully, like terribly, yeah. and he had a really good week. So that might keep <laughs> him in for did. another week. But I, he'd probably be the one. That's a drop. pretty big list of names, because none of those... Well, no, Neil Bullen is, but the other two mm. for the last few years have not been fringe players. I know Tyson did get dropped last year at one point, but they've been main stage on your side over the last few years. Yeah. And yes, it's probably a good sign, but it's also it's not great it's that those players. Sign. It is, but it's not great that those players aren't playing well. You you do want more from yeah. them. Yeah, Tyson's been disappointing, but I love the man. And this is a question I really like because it pretty much embodies the Carlton supporter I know and love. Uh, how deep into September will Carlton go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question, mate. What I like about Carlton is they, I like the they generally win all their games in about in a one span. And so if they don't beat you, they're not winning you know, again for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's possible, mate. We, they actually have quite a good record against us, Carlton. So. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, this is the only real serious question we got. Alistair Clarkson's behaviour of the mm. last week, last year, really. Whinging to Gillam McLaughlin, demanding a meeting. There's just too much arrogance there. He is getting arrogant. He's got to a point where he he knows he's the man. He mm. knows everyone rates him, and he knows he can say whatever he wants. And he's he's really just making the most of it. And he, it is he is showing a fair bit of arrogance. People need to call him out on it because some of the shit he said is just wrong. And if other coaches said it, if if Goodwin had said some of the stuff he says, they'd be fine. They'd, they'd rip into him. And the, uh, the stuff he said about umpiring. Oh, that's true. That's they true. should be fine for it. But like the he didn't calling, direct it at the umpires, no, but. but Calling uh, 
But yeah, it is it is blatant whinging because he doesn't say anything when they win. But like calling Cam Zerha dirty after the North game for a bump he committed in play, and yes, this is a hundred percent me biased and whinging. It was a well. little bit dirty, but yeah. But <laughs> compared to what Hawthorne's done over the years against North Melbourne yeah. only, they've choked our players. They've punched two of them in the head by two different players. They've also decapitated Chad Wingard before. Like. They are the dirtiest this team in the competition. <laughs> I do not understand how he can talk and complain about dirty players. And look, look this, in the bloody mirror, you fool. This week, what he said was wrong as well. If you look at the incidents which he was talking about, they were both the correct decision. Yeah, what I do like about what he's saying, though, is it's probably going to make, make Ben Brown a better player. Because <laughs> he, he cops it more than most because of the amount of balls we kick to him. <laughs> it's just going to be great. Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, but yeah, now this is my favourite question. When yeah. We are going to make time for it, even though we're going long. And this is from Alex Bell. I've been I've been told to read people's names out and I've completely forgotten <laughs> to up until this point. Uh, would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> This question made my day. It really cheered me I up. I don't care about your stories. Got to answer the bloody question. <laughs> oh, you definitely prefer the 100 duck-sized horses, wouldn't no! you? No! I mean, I, I know horses are strong, but like, you can just bloody step on them. You can just kick them out of the but way. But 100 of them taking you on at once, it'd be like an avalanche. you just get... You just get trotted on stampede. Imagine the beak on a duck-sized horse. Yeah, but you can be clever. On <laughs> a horse-sized duck. I do have a question though. Like, if, you have a we- if you have a weapon, absolutely the duck, the giant duck. Because, what, like a gun. <laughs> well, I, was thinking, I was thinking like a club or a sword or something. No, no, no. But just, or, just, but just you, combat. Just you would be interesting. But I, I still just kick the, the little horses out of the way. I'd be fine. But you just got to kill the one thing. But it's enormous. It'll just peck you to death. It'd be frightening. I'd be scared. You could probably step on you, the thing. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just dodge and weave. Duck oh. and weave. Float like a butterfly. Sting like That'd a bee. One mate. hit. No, I'm definitely, hit. definitely facing the 100 duck-sized horses. Okay, agree to disagree. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the tips, which we still don't have a bet on the line for. Uh, eventually, maybe. I, think I we'll- asked Charlie today. Still gave me nothing. Well, that's just poor form. Uh, Adelaide Dogs in Adelaide. What a disappointing Friday night game, Adelaide. They haven't scheduled the Friday night well this year, and I don't think they've scheduled Friday night well for about four years. Uh, North, GWS, and Tassie. GWS. I'm going North. Oh, I am going North. They can't. Siebel's cleared. They can't. I think we're going to win. They can't. I, I they actually can't. think they can't. we're going to win. Uh, Suns Port. Uh, Port. Where's that one? Oh, that's China. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> Adelaide Arena, Jungwon Stadium. Yeah. I love that they have an arena inside the stadium yeah. and they call it after the... Is uh, it named after? After the away team. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but Port Adelaide. Uh, Essendon Geelong at the G. Who'd you tip, mate? Oh, Port Adelaide. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Essendon Geelong. Geelong. Yeah, that that's one's the, also the country obvious. game, that one. What a stupid... That's the dumbest marquee game. They should get negative points yeah. for occasion. Sheedy's done a lot of good things, but... That yeah. wasn't one of them. Uh, Sydney, Frio. Sydney. It is at the SCG, so you've got to downgrade Sydney. Yeah, little true. Bit. But, but yeah, yeah, Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> uh, St. Kilda, Collingwood. Where is this, Eddie? Yep. Still Collingwood. <laughs> yeah. Quite comfortably, I think. Uh, Carlton, Melbourne. Melbourne. Oh, you sure you don't want to tip Carlton? They're, they're on the... Mate, I'm always worried. But yeah, you, are. <laughs> you are pessimistic. I'm going you as well. Uh, Brisbane, Hawthorne. There are a chance, Brisbane, but Hawthorne. Yeah, no, I agree, but I don't know. Uh, Brisbane performing pretty well for it. They're the best 0 8 side ever, maybe. <laughs> as 
they say so often. Uh, oh, top of the table clash. Mm. Best game of the round by a mile. Eagles, Richmond. Who you got? Uh, who have you got? I, I'm actually not sure. I'm going to wait till selection to... Uh, well, like, I might flip, but at okay. the moment, I'm assuming they'll get McGovern and Nat Nui back. I don't think they'll get Shuey back, but because of that, I'm going to go West Coast, because I think Richmond will start to be a bit tired. I'm going to go West Coast too. I don't know. I just, it, my gut's telling me West Coast. It's super boring. Or at least we got one different because I'm going to be right about North. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening to the eighth episode of the Pubs on Footy podcast for this season. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, oh, we managed to not be too long, so that's good. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.